0: You're listening to petliferadio.com. Well, welcome, 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 hopefully to another fun-filled half hour. Here on Pet Life Radio, I ask the best with Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Warber. And i uh, here to uh, talk about anything, I mean anything really, dog and cat, preferably because that's, that's my bag. But if I don't know really the answer about something else, we will get it for you talked about last week, talked about uh, Henry, who is, by the way, doing amazingly well. Of course, we have to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, and we are trying to bring you a veterinary quality product at a price that you can afford and available at your local retailers, as well as Pet Health Network. It's one of my blog sites, and I have a lot of friends and colleagues that blog on Pet Health Network, and you can just get so much great information how to be the best pet owner, pet, parent, call yourselves what you want, you can be, and uh, we want to hear from you, and it's very easy to get a hold of me, I'm going to give you a number of ways, number one, probably the easiest, call me, 877 385 you can also, if you're listening online right now to Pet Life Radio, there is a little chat box. You can just go on to the bottom that says "Click here to join the conversation." Go ahead and join that conversation, and uh, we can talk. And lastly, you can send me a quick email to drjeff. That's Doctor Jeff at petliferadio.com. So, first of all, we had spoken to Sarah, she read an email, and uh, she just answered back, I'm going to read it to you, it says, it's, it, she did just what I want you to do, Pet Life Radio, she goes, thank you so much for your suggestions, my 12-year-old Westy Poo, Flower, did indeed have a urinary tract infection, and is now on antibiotics to clear that up, she's back to her old self, I have a new question for you. I listen to your podcast while I drive my mail truck in a Chicago suburb. Can you imagine how tough it is to drive that truck around? Anyway, I was recently listening to a show from a few months back where you mentioned a new allergy medication to be released hopefully in January of this year. Can you please share the name of this product? Flower has suffered from skin issues due to allergies for most of her life, and we're now looking at starting her on Accutane. I know that this drug is very hard on the liver, kidneys, and humans, so if there's something new to try instead, I would rather try that. Thank you again, Dr. Jeff, from Sarah. Well, Sarah... You are in luck, maybe. Why maybe? This drug did hit the market in January, was released, and because of its amazing, and I mean amazing success, and I can attest firsthand because I have a number of patients on it already, their company, which is Zoetis. Now, Zoetis is formerly Pfizer Animal Health. Pfizer Animal Health Group broke away from the parent company, which was Pfizer, and they started their own company called Zoetis, doing extremely well. And the new drug that we talked about is called Apoquil. That's A-P-O-Q-U-E-L. It comes in three sizes, three strengths, basically for different weights of dog. And it really is amazing. Uh, And I'm going to explain how it works in a second. But the one problem is already, because of its amazing success, probably faster than they had expected, anticipated, it is now tough to get. They are already back-ordered. They are obviously keeping patients that are already on it to stay on it. And it is, it's is—it's just an amazing, amazing medication. So here's basically the nuts and bolts, how it works. I don't want to be too scientific, but as we know in humans, the allergic response is mediated by a cellular mediator called histamine. And therefore, when we want to block that allergic response, we take antihistamines. Well, histamine does not play a major role or pretty much any role, a very minor role at best in the canine allergic response. So therefore, we don't recommend taking antihistamines, certainly not for the anti-allergy effect. However, sometimes we do recommend some of the good old-fashioned antihistamines like Benadryl, which is diphenhydramine, like Atarax, because those, which is called hydroxyzine, will have a bit of a sedative effect. And I think a lot of the allergists that were using the non-sedation type of antihistamines were finding that they really didn't work that well. Well, the search for years has been on how do we find out what exactly is happening in the canine allergic response? What is making literally them itch? What is making that skin get inflamed? So the folks at Zoetis have been studying this for quite some time, and the basic physiology is that there is a type of white cell called the T-cell. The T-cell is a cell that is a cell that responds to antigenic stimulation. The T-cell releases agents that are called cytokines, and there's one that are interleukins. And the interleukins, there are a number of them that are involved in the allergic response, two, four, six, thirteen, 13, and 31. And interleukin, or IL-31, seems to have a pretty major role in the allergic response. But in order for the IL-31 to do its thing, to actually cause the body to itch, cause that inflammatory response, it needs the help of an enzyme, or actually a couple of enzymes, that are called Janus kinase enzymes. And for short, we call them JAK. And the two enzymes that are very, very important for this response to happen are JAK1 and JAK3. And the new drug called Apoquil actually blocks the JAK1 and the JAK3 enzymes. So therefore, even though those ILs, those interleukins are just dying to do what they do to make our dogs uncomfortable, without the help of the JAK enzymes, now blocked by Apoquil, they can't. So it is literally amazing. And the beauty of it is, it's not like the cyclosporin, which many of us have had to resort to put our dogs on, which is an immunosuppressive agent. It's not like the cortisone, the prednisone, which has been the industry standard, which also potentially, though it has excellent anti-inflammatory effects, it also can cause immunosuppression at higher doses. And there are a lot of other conditions that we know from long-term steroid use. So we can't use it long-term. In fact, when we have to resort to using corticosteroids, prednisone being the most common for the dog, we often have to go on alternate day therapy. So we start with like twice a day, maybe that for a few days, and we'll go to once a day and ultimately settle it every other day because there are too many side effects with everyday therapy. Well, with the Apoquil, it has now been tested for years. First of all, it's been used in Europe for years and here in the States to get through FDA approval, which it has done, a lot of the specialty groups, in fact, one of my colleagues who is a board-certified veterinary dermatologist has had her own dog on Apoquil now for four years every day with zero side effects. So it really is, it's an amazing drug. So Sarah, talk to your veterinarian, if he or she is lucky enough to still have any on the shelf, it's called Apoquil, and it might be the perfect medication for flour. With Apoquil, you can use antibiotics, you don't need to use steroids, you do not need to use the cyclosporins. There are some drug interactions which your veterinarian can share with you. Now, we also want to use it only in dogs that are over a year of age. But as far as safety and dogs that I know personally that I've been on very long term, it is just amazing. So I understand we have a caller. Uh, hello, are you on with us? Uh, yes, I am. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. What's your name? My name's Scott. Hey, Scott. So what can I do for you? Well, uh, my wife and I are talking about adopting a dog uh, sometime in the near future, and we just want to know quickly, you know, when you would recommend having them spay or neutered. at what age is that appropriate to do? Okay. So, first of all, it's a great question, and I really appreciate the fact you're adopting. I always tell people, you know, save the breeding for the breeders and uh, go out and adopt. You know, you're going to save a life for sure. So, if anything else, in addition to the wonderful addition to the family, you're going to save a life. Now, a lot of times, just so you know, many of the adoption facilities across the country country, I think for pretty good reason, will not even release a dog until it's already spayed or neutered. I have some issues with that depending on the breed, but it is just the way it is. It used to be you would adopt a young dog and you would get a voucher. And you then, when the dog is ready, you could take that voucher to the local spay neuter clinic or the the hospital that works with that adoption agency or the shelter and get the neuter or spay for free. The problem is that most pet, I wouldn't say most, there are many pet owners or new pet owners out there probably not as conscientious as like you would be and don't care about the voucher and just keep their dogs and then their dogs hit the streets and then they breed and you know, all these bad things can happen. But let's talk about the perfect world. In the perfect world, if you had the ability, I would recommend the following. I don't like spaying or neutering any dog before six months. Okay. okay. Here's the reason. The dogs that you can safely spay or neuter young before six months of age or around six months of age, are the small breeds. And the small breeds, however, have another very common issue that we often have to deal with, and that is called retained deciduous teeth. They don't lose their baby teeth on schedule. When the adult tooth erupts, it is supposed to push the baby tooth out of the way, and therefore, it's a tooth replacement. The baby falls out, and in that same socket and the gum line, the adult comes in. Often, however, with the small breeds, that doesn't happen, and the roots of those baby teeth are so long that they hold their ground, and it forces the adult tooth to come in an inappropriate position, but you now have double teeth. So we need to pull the baby tooth. Well, we're not going to know which of the baby teeth are going to require extraction, Until all the adult teeth are in. And when does that happen? That whole process is done by five and a half to six months of age. So if you take that little Yorkie or a little malty poo, whatever, and you spay her or neuter her at four months, which you can do, there's a very good chance that come six months, you're going to have to knock her out a second time to pull the baby teeth. And that's insane. Because the most dangerous part of these procedures is the anesthesia. Do you want to do it twice? Right. So therefore, I prefer holding off the small breeds, even though it would be okay to do until they're at least six months of age. Now, let's talk to large breeds. I used to feel the exact same way, and I used to use the same schedule, large breeds. Wait till they're six months, get the females at least before their first heat, which is at seven months of age if they read the book, and therefore you will virtually eliminate any threat of mammary cancer, and everyone is happy. But we learned something new recently, and when I say recently in the, in the medical world that could be back within even two or three years, and that is that there was a study out of one of the veterinary schools, I, I don't want to misquote myself, I think it was Purdue, but I'm, I'm not guaranteed, where they were studying aging, and they were using the Rottweiler as their model, and the theory was that they had never seen a pure Rottweiler hit thirteen. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But in the midst of their study and studying all aspects of aging and the bloods and the bone and all these things, they came upon a very, very frightening statistic. One that I think surprised them as much as it did me when I read it, and that is they found a 65% greater incidence in long bone cancer in males that were pre pubertly neutered and a 35% increase in females that were pre pubertly spayed. That Is so amazing. So that tells us that there's got to be, we don't understand the mechanisms, but there's got to be some protective effect of the sex hormones on developing bone that is going to protect that bone eight, 10 years down the road from developing cancer. Bone cancer is a killer, 100%. So therefore, if I can do something that is going to slow down that process or help 65% chance of not getting it, you darn right I'm going to do it. So therefore, my new recommendation for the large breeds, and these are all the large breeds because these are all dogs that are prone to bone cancer, as older dogs, is I'm waiting. My new recommendation is the following. Small breeds, if you can control it, you can spay them six months. Try to get your females just before their first heat. I'm okay with it, but make sure you do it after all their adult teeth have erupted. The large breeds, I'm waiting a year. I'm waiting a year. Let the female have her first heat. You can still make a dramatic reduction in mammary cancer if you spay her after her first but before her second heat. That comes at around 14 months of age. So therefore, my recommendation is spay those large breed females that are eleven or twelve months of age. So they've already sexually mature. So you're gonna hopefully help the bone cancer issue, but you're still getting them where you can make a big difference in their mammary cancer issue. The males, you can wait almost any time. I would do a year only because with the males, especially the big breeds, I mean, let's face it, a male is a male. You know, they're going to be picking up the scents and the pheromones released by the females in season. And they are going to be sending flowers and wine to those bitches in heat. And, you know, and, and uh, they're going to be roaming the streets. And 75% of dogs found in U.S. roads and highways are non-neutered males. So, does that help you? Definitely, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all that. I appreciate it. What type of dog, size-wise, are you thinking of adopting? Big or small? You know, probably somewhere in between. My wife, you know, I I like big dogs. My wife's always like small dogs. So, I think we're going to kind of compromise, you know, something, you know, maybe like a little bigger than a corgi, say. Okay. So, just keep one thing in mind. If you're going to get a which is great. For example, you know, the big crosses now are the doodles. So, and there are now, you can get mini, like Labradoodle or Golden Doodle don't kid yourself the retriever part is a dog that does carry the bone cancer gene so even though you get a mini which or you know which means that it might be hit only hit 25 to 40 pounds it could still carry that gene so i would still follow the rule of the larger dog if you know that in the breed mix that you're getting even though it might be a small version of it if one of the parents was a larger dog I would stick with the one-year as far as fixing if yes. you can. As I said, it might be tough because some some of these shelters and rescues won't even let you have them until they're fixed. And if that happens, yes. you got to go with their rules. But, you know, what can you do? Anyway, Scott, thanks for the call-in. If you can do me a favor um, and either call back and talk to Mark, I want to get your name and address, and we are going to send you out a free ProSense product. Probably since you are getting a new dog, we'll send out a, a ProSense uh, pack of vitamins for your new pup to make sure that he or she stays healthy all the time. And thanks for the call. And it is that time for our break. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Thanks for uh, listening in and stay tuned. We'll be back in a few here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet, at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Ow, ow, ow. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up The Tales of the City. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio. PetLifeRadio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <gasps> And welcome back. You are listening to Dr. Jeff Werber your host here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we want to hear from you just like Scott just called in. Hopefully we can help. If nothing else, just think about it. You get free advice and a free ProSense product. What could be bad? So you can reach us here at 877-385-8882. You can reach us also just online here by joining in on the conversation. And finally, send me an email to drjeff, that's drjeff at petliferadio.com. So we helped Sarah with, and hopefully you all learned about the new Apoquil medication. I think it's great. I'm going to be working actually with them. I was fortunate enough to be asked to do their media campaign when they hit the national media tour, which will be coming up. Well, they were hoping to do it in spring. I was supposed to do it like late March, early April. The problem is because the drug has been so amazing and so successful, and they've been having such a tough time keeping up with the demand, they didn't want me to do the national media launch, and that means to you, the consumer. So there are two reasons. The the initial reason why you want to always hold off on a new product like that is you don't want the consumers, you guys, to know more about something in the veterinarians. So whenever there's a new product out like this, they want to spend the first several months priming educating and promoting this to the veterinarians. So if if nothing else, even though the veterinarian chooses not to carry the medication, I have no idea why, but many are very, very shy about brand new medications. At least they know about it. Well, they know about it so well that they've sold it off the shelves. So um, it looks like we're going to do our campaign coming up in uh, late spring, early summer, And It's fun for me. It's called a national media tour where I probably get to go to New York and work in the studio and talk to the big national magazines and really educate everybody, educate the masses about the benefits of Apoquil and the benefits of Apoquil over some of the drugs that we've been forced to use over the years. I mean, we're talking excellent drugs like prednisone certainly has its place. In medicine and veterinary medicine, but we, it also has its disadvantages and the same thing with cyclosporins. So um, I'm looking forward to that and uh, you will certainly over the next several months be hearing more and more about Apoquil. And then we talked to Scott about a subject near and dear to my heart and that is spay-neuter adopting. We hit it all in one phone call and that's great. Because we, you know, obviously love to help these animals. In fact, we've been talking about Henry over the last couple of weeks. Henry is that the American Eskimo that was found on the streets here in Los Angeles that was mauled by something or some things. don't know whether they were much larger dogs, don't know whether they were coyotes, but this poor dog, by the fact that most of its injuries were literally around its neck, where its entire neck was ripped open down to and including the trachea. It's amazing that his esophagus, his carotid artery and jugular vein were not severed like all the muscles and the other tissue and his trachea. So instead of putting him to sleep, which was really our initial recommendation because he was really, really suffering and the road ahead was very, very long and expensive even at the break we give rescues because of the Good Samaritan Act, we sort of were forced to at least keep this guy going. We did a major surgery. And sewn up his trachea and cut away all the dead necrotic tissue. Here we are three, almost four weeks later, and Henry is doing amazingly well. He is probably has one more surgery we're waiting on until we get a better what we call a granulation bed. We want the body to do what it's going to do and do it really well. And then he's going to have a new home. He's doing just great. And I'm thrilled as much as I still, you know, I always have this discussion with our rescue groups, these bleeding heart rescue groups about how they want to save every single one. And I try to educate them that you can't and uh, take that money that you would spend and spend it on saving hundreds of others that if they don't get out of the shelter, they're going to be put to sleep. Unfortunately, here in Los Angeles and New cities, there are not enough no-kill shelters. They just can't afford to be no-kill. But nonetheless, Henry is a success story. We're doing something. We're going to put him up on our uh, blog on Pet Health Network, which, by the way, I want all you to visit, PetHealthNetwork.com. And um, I'm going to be posting some pictures before, during, and after pictures of Henry. So you can clearly see how amazing this dog is and and just what type of fantastic recovery he's had. Then uh, next week... I and also my good friend Mark Winter from Pet Life Radio, we're going to be in Orlando at the Global Pet Expo. And that's where we get to visit the pet world. And I just came back from two big veterinary trade shows, one in Orlando, interestingly, and then the following month in Las Vegas. And now we're going to the pet world. Which is where I work with my product line, the ProSense Pet Products, one of our sponsors of this radio show, and also just see what's new and innovative in the pet world. And it's amazing. This exhibit hall is huge at the convention center. And we really get to see there is so much innovation, so many great things going on in the pet world. And, you know, it's great to see the economy having bounced back to the point where we have these large companies doing so much to help make life easier for you and your pets, and I'm always intrigued by some of the new things out there. You know, again, behavior is always a big problem, so to see some of these companies coming up with these toys, these games, literally games that dogs can play in your absence that keep them stimulated, stop them from barking, help them with their separation anxiety, almost getting to the point where they are not so dependent on you for their health and well-being that they can do it on their own and those things are great so when I get back we will talk so next week I'm going to be at the show but the following week we are going to be live and I'm going to share with you some great things that I found at the Global Pet Expert Show in Orlando so anyway it is time for me to go this half hour goes so quickly so once again thanks for joining in and tuning in we will see you or you'll be visiting with me live in two weeks here on Pet Life Radio Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff And we will see you then. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.